This is not complicated, just green. And it's time for an installment of Common Sense for Better Construction. We're bridging the information gap to help you reach a brighter future in the built world. Today's episode is sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors, making sustainable construction practically impactful. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design. Welcome, friends. I'm excited to introduce all of you today to Gene Kansas, preservationist, cultural developer who specializes in commercial real estate, host of Sidewalk Radio, and founder of Constellation, an innovative workplace combining passion, purpose, and professional pursuit. He's a native of New Orleans and a lover of Atlanta, a writer at heart, an entrepreneur by trade, and operating through the medium of the built environment to identify, craft, and share stories that add value to a community. Please enjoy. What really made me want to have you is your work and some very special old buildings to bring them up to a modern performance standard and to give them new life. It seems like it would be easier for many developers going in the other direction, just knock it down and build something new. Why did that matter to you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. It's a topic that's not only near and dear to my heart, it's also an important one. I have a philosophy that if you're on the planet, you're in real estate. Yes, I happen to do it as a career, but we're all sharing the earth. It's important to be aware of and I believe considerate of our neighbors, be thoughtful, to understand where we come from. And a nice way to accomplish those things is through the preservation of buildings. Because if you have visual reminder or a visual cue to history, then you're going to have a better chance of being connected to it. I mean, think for a second, just a wild example. What if we went and tore down the Statue of Liberty. Would that potentially change the way that people identify with the country? Likely. Yeah. And, and not just like tear down the Statue of Liberty, but then erase it from every book, the internet, and everything. The Statue of Liberty doesn't exist anymore. Imagine that. Would would we have the same identity? Maybe, maybe not. It's the number one symbol of you know this ideal that we, I think many of us hope to and wish to uphold. It's a reminder of lessons. So then if you go back down to like a micro level, and right now we're in Sweet Auburn, so birthplace of the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King. In fact, his birth home is like six blocks away from here. Yeah. Um, and this entire district, which is known as uh, Sweet Auburn, was in 1976 designated a historic landmark district. Since that time, 47% of the buildings in this district have been lost, erased. And they're not like the Statue of Liberty. You know, they're not necessarily known the world over, but they should be because we're in this incredibly historically significant neighborhood, maybe one of the top in the world, likely so. And if you're visiting this as a student, as a family that's bringing your kids, as someone who lives in Atlanta, and you're not seeing almost half of this neighborhood, you're also missing half of the history. And the history was built by people who built, you know, the neighborhood and the neighborhood gave birth to the civil rights movement. And so you're missing this opportunity to connect with where we all came from and who came together to the benefit of us all. That's the importance of preservation, and preservation is just a subset of sustainability. Can you share with us some of the examples of things that you've seen that were successes or some of the um, some of the positive impacts that you've been able to see from your efforts and from efforts like yours? Yeah. In the 70s, there was this effort to save the Fox Theater. It was going to be torn down, of course, to put up like a park moon deck. 
the preservation community, and just the community of Atlanta that knew the importance of culture, and in this case, film and community culture, were able to save this historic theater. One of the offshoots of that knowledge and experience that the Fox gained is known as the Fox Theater Institute. And so what they do is in Georgia, go and help foster the preservation of community movie theaters and other types of theaters, ah. like live music and, and, and movies. So you could be living in a small town. You probably have a great early memory of going to the movie theater. Right. It, there is no difference in reality between like the Fox Theater and your, you know, great small town movie theater. Because as people, we still experience like the thrill, popcorn, or the you know, meeting up with friends. Mm -hmm. There's like incredible childhood memories that are a big part of our lives. And so if you're thinking like, what does sustainability have to do with me? I don't live in Atlanta. I don't go to the Fox Theater to see you know, the ballet or whatever it is, you have other institutions in your community, wherever you are and whatever they may be that are comprising your life and informing this identity I was speaking about earlier. Mm -hmm. For me, growing up in New Orleans, there were a ton of those. And when Hurricane Katrina came in and wiped out my entire home, now I'm not talking about where I live. I'm talking about the entire city. Yeah. I can promise you that you learn very quickly the importance of sustainability and preservation because Obviously, like the loss of life is tragic and the homes and the buildings are also bad. But when you really don't have those things anymore, uh, the buildings, let's say, the houses, the parks, the airport, all of that, there are going to be no people around. And the people coming together give relevance to the place and also to our lives. Katrina was like on par with, you know, the displacement of World War II. So you can kind of start to imagine like, or what's happening in Ukraine. If the, the city's destroyed, be it by like some antagonistic force um, is, you know, human led mm -hmm. or some force of nature, like a hurricane, you know, you have to leave. Yeah. And then believe it or not, like you actually might miss your dentist. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, you are not going to have the same life. So I'm not saying preserve everything. It, it's impossible. And any preservations will tell you you can't do it. But it is important to preserve history and culture surrounding. It is the thing and the things that make up our lives. When you're really talking about the memories of the people being what makes the community. I mean, to give you an idea, like just us sitting here, you and your show are giving relevance to this studio in this building. It's a fact. The studio, which we call Fifth District Studio, is an homage to the district that Congressman Lewis served. The building that we're in is the Southern School Book Building, built in 1910, designed by Neil Reed. In 1963, Congressman Lewis had his office here and he was chair of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. So your listeners will be able to know about that and that history. And if y'all are down in Sweet Auburn and you want to come by the Southern School Book Building, come on. Because now you have a connection point. And when we're connected through a story like the one I'm sharing right now, it can help create a value in, in this case of a value through a connection about place. And be it like the movie theater growing up or the birth home of Dr. King or the Statue of Liberty or whatever it may be, the value is motivating. And motivation leads to action. And action 
needs to change. When someone hears that half of the Martin Luther King Historic District has been lost, right. which by the way, since 1976, so imagine that by like 2060, the entire thing were gone. It's a real possibility. It's not just people that are like contributing to the loss. I mean, this building and a few others on this block were hit by a tornado in 2008. Mm -hmm. And multiple on the block and another, I don't know, $250 million worth of damage along the path of destruction. The lot was, that happens all the time. Developers tear things down, demolition being neglect when people do not do anything and just crumbles into itself. We've all seen that in small towns and big cities. You know, hopefully people listen to this show and what we're talking about and get motivated and take some action. And that's what we do here. I mean, we do historic preservation. We do adaptive reuse. We want to have spaces and places that people can enjoy and also to be places where you can experience like milestone moments in your life that make a difference and and allow for the relevance to continue so future generations can also enjoy them. You know, I'm a sympathetic ear, so I, I recognize a lot of that and you preach into the choir with me, but I would imagine that there's an awful lot of people who don't understand what it is that you're doing or why you're doing it. When you come to those kind of pushback situations or people who are reluctant to, to get on board, and what do you say to those? One of the common places that pushback comes from is not necessarily rooted in reality. I mean, it, you hear often more like that place needs to come down. It's not structurally sound. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the case. Yeah. And sometimes it's a convenience because someone wants to knock it down and put up something that they hope will make them money. And there's nothing wrong with making money and being successful. Uh, in fact, the historic tax credit, which started in the 1980s, is a great way to get a dollar-for-dollar dollar tax credit by engaging in historic preservation. So you can make money by preserving buildings. Mm -hmm. It just so happens also that people really like older buildings. Newer is fine too, but you're going to not have that same like patina. Mm. You know, it's like maybe I like wearing like a new crisp t-shirt. It's kind of hard to replace the one you've had for like 15 years, even though your wife wants you to throw it out. <laughs> but like it's soft, it's worn in, right. you know, it's familiar, it's comfortable. Buildings and neighborhoods can be the same thing. At least in this city, the most popular neighborhoods are the ones that didn't get bulldozed over because people forgot about them or had some notion that they were unsavory in some sort of way. Grant Park, Inman Park, Kirkwood, I mean, all over. And, and in Sweet Auburn, in a lot of cases, there would have been a lot more demolition in Sweet Auburn had people thought that they could make money here. Even though a lot of the buildings have been lost, at least it's protected now through this historic district. That's not going to protect it from a tornado course. But Inman Park, I mean, no one wanted to go over there in like the 1970s. And it gave the neighborhood time to put measures in place to be able to save properties from just being indiscriminately bulldozed. In whatever town you're in, I don't know what the rules and regulations are there necessarily, but we all know when someone's coming at us with an ulterior motive. And I think the thing to do is not to like get defensive necessarily, but maybe just to ask a question like, what are you hoping for? What are your goals? Forget what's here. Like, what are you hoping for? Would be a good question. Sometimes those might lead to great things. Mm -hmm. It also, I mean, you're an architect, mm -hmm. right? How do you create a plan? And you, you don't just like press the create a plan button, do y'all? No. <laughs> like you have to ask questions. You have to research. You have to have experience. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the different like players, the components, the zoning. It, it's going to take time to 
figure some of these things out. And architecture is a great way to describe it. But like a plan is nothing more than a way to show us how to get to where we want to go. If you start by having the conversation, understanding the different needs and interests and preferences of each side, you can probably better formulate a plan that could hopefully work for more than just one. Absolutely. So yeah, we we can put out drawings all day long and that's never going to solve the problems if we don't have first conversation with our client, find out what their ambitions are, what their pains are, what they're trying to achieve and what they're trying to avoid. That applies. You're saying that that's the application to, to be able to get through the same pushback or that same reluctancy when people don't really understand your mission. I think it helps. And I think that it's, you know, for pretty much uh, most things in life when you're dealing and or working with other people. I mean, sustainability comes from sustaining to continue on with something. Mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, human life would be the most important thing to sustain. So if you're talking about recent history and maybe ongoing history for a while, the pandemic, how do we sustain human life? How do we sustain like social cohesion? How do we sustain, you know, some form of semblance of normalcy? Those are challenging things that people can really relate to. You know, maybe we do that by developing a vaccine or putting on masks and staying safe. You know, we still gather, but it's outside or socially distant. Maybe we start to come back in ways that are comfortable for us in um, social or work environments. If someone can take that as an idea and abstract the lesson of that sustainability of life relative to this pandemic and apply it to something else you want to sustain, like our history, then it can start to be a little bit more digestible. I know that there's plenty of other developers out there who who do take the approach. We're going to find a piece of property and we're going to do what we want to do with it. They're getting plenty of opportunity. The industry is not pushing back against them. If the building industry as a whole doesn't allow for that preservation, then they just keep pushing forward regardless of history. And what do we stand to lose? Well... You know, I, being a preservationist, I'm also pro-development. And, you know, there are plenty of empty lots out there that we could be doing something productive with. Absolutely. Right? So, yes, I love preservation. And I love history and culture. I mean, I also like progress. I don't. Your question is a good one. It's also like, it's such a big question because what we m- may stand to lose, you could also say, what may we stand to gain? What, what is, what's the benefit of building the new ballpark? or the new school, you you likely are going to have to lose something to build an entire new school. Right. But what are you going to gain? Is it like better facilities, um, better design, you know, equitable spaces for kids, safer playgrounds? I don't know. It depends. And then that's where it gets complicated because sometimes people have a different opinion. Most of the time. What opportunities do we stand to miss if if we don't make sure that we take care of the history of a, of a neighborhood as that neighborhood inevitably moves forward? Well, one of the biggest things that may be missed is the opportunity to understand where you are at that moment, which is important because if you know where you are, which I believe to really know where you are, you have to know from where you came just for context. I mean, if you think it like ancestrally, mm-hmm. it's like- where's your family from? If you don't have any clue, you're going to have a hard time really understanding like who you are. 
And, and that might not necessarily be a bad thing. My wife, as an example, her father, he was one years old when his father was killed in Normandy. He always thought that they were Italian. She even looks Italian. Mm -hmm. He had heard that their family was from this region in Italy called Luca. Her maiden name's Lucas. Mm -hmm. That was it. They were Italian, right? Right. Well, then... <laughs> We're having a kid. We decided to do 23andMe. Mm -hmm. She's 0% Italian. Wow. Now, did that really change that much in her life? Not really, but it does help her understand who she is more. It ended up being to where she found like a long lost cousin, which was kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. It understand it helps us understand like our son's ancestral heritage. Sure. Anyway, I guess the point is is like if you don't have access to like where you come from, it's hard to know where you are. If you don't know where you are, it's kind of hard to know where you're going in terms of like a direction. If if what's lost, let's say, is this context, because it's for one reason or another destroyed. That could be from like Mother Nature. Hurricane Katrina. That could be by the wrecking ball, a lot of the Sweet Auburn district. It could be because you don't choose to understand or learn about what's around you. How are you going to know where you want to go? It's really very difficult. Now, what may be the problem with that? Maybe nothing, I guess, if you don't really care where you're going. But if you think about it as a combined civilization, it is important. And if you want to think about a big one, think about this shift from gas to electric vehicles. I'm not necessarily a tree hugger. I actually like driving around with a car that has gas. It feels different. Mm -hmm. I also like the electric vehicles, and I in particular love the fact that it's going to be more friendly to our planet so we can stay here. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, but... That would be like one, one of those big examples. Like if you didn't realize that all the things that we're doing to pollute the planet could mean that the planet isn't inhabitable anymore, mm -hmm. that might be bad. Yeah. That's sustainability, y'all. There it is. Summed up in one quick one. Well, you're talking about a sense of place and how that helps to feed the, the sense of identity. As an architect, one of the things that we work really hard to is that buildings embody that sense of place. Buildings aren't just generic, plopped in everywhere the same, but the, the building is a part of its context and the context is part of the building. The forgettable buildings, which we try to avoid creating, those are the ones that don't relate anything to their neighborhood or to their community or to their environment. Speaking in volumes to spit to say that the buildings that are a part of this community are giving this community a sense of place. If the industry as a whole decides that they want to listen to this concept, they, they want buildings with context, they want history in their buildings, they want to preserve what's worth preserving. If we decide to go towards revitalization instead of demolition, if that happens, if we did get there, would you be like, all right, here we are? Or would you step up your game and, and go even further? Well, I, it's a great question because like the preservation of place is great. What are you going to do with it? Like it can't just be like another museum or some relic or some artifact to like admire. You have to use them. They have to have a purpose and it has to be a contributing purpose. So that's where you can get imaginative and have fun. It's like the High Line in New York, the Belt Line in Atlanta. It's how do you repurpose like an old rail and have it be a place to go get exercise or walk the dog or you know, watch the world go by? That's just programming. That's when I was talking about like the people give relevance right. to the place. So I think that like programmatically, you're talking about an interest in culture and that changes. We are not, as an example, I think in this country, going back to some of the earlier conversations of like childhood memories, going to movie theaters as much. We're watching Netflix. 
what are you going to do when no one's going to the movie theaters anymore? Do you want to just tear it down or do you want to turn it into like the live music venue or do you want to have it be a theater school or I don't know what you want, but like you can preserve it and it does not have to be the exact same use that it's always been. And so that's like kind of this exciting, cool part. The opportunities for that are as endless as your imagination. Say somebody has got ownership of an old building. They like they like your message and they want to get on board. What are some of the things that they need to have in place? Some things that are different for that kind of an effort as opposed to a building that's just a few years old that you're just going to remodel. When you've got an historic building, what really sets that process apart from the standard? We've all heard the adage of, Location, location, location. Yeah. And that's true. I think, though, that first you have to ask yourself, what can I do here? Because you could have the best location in the world and you want to, let's say, do a circus there, but circuses aren't allowed there. Right. Well, how good of a location is it? Not very good. <laughs> so I think along those lines, if you have a property... You need to find out what you can do and maybe what you have to do. These are under auspices of um, zoning and maybe some type of like oversight organization. Like in Atlanta, you know, you're in this historic district. You have certain criteria and conditions and guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, there's the Atlanta Urban Design Commission that is. Uh, a governing body that helps protect the integrity. You have to go through these channels and learn about what's really required by them. So I'd say that would be a very good place to start. If you don't know what you're doing, there's someone in your community, um, likely an architect or some type of preservation consultant or someone who works down at City Hall that can help point you in the right direction. And then look, the internet's at our fingertips. Google it. Let's say that somebody has, they don't have any property. They don't live in an area where necessarily there's a, a building that needs their help, but they still believe in this message. They still believe in, in what you're trying to accomplish and in your mission. How can they get involved and what opportunities can they have to support this effort? We, me, you, listeners of this, we all vote and politicians get elected by our vote. If we want something to happen, we vote. So if you're out there and you don't like what you're seeing, you could vote. Maybe it's at a neighborhood level. You know, maybe it's with your pocketbook, as they used to say. Vote with a dollar. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, in some type of higher election. If it's just preservation, you know, there's, a, there's the National Trust for Historic Preservation on this national level, of course. There are things... You know, on, on local levels here, the Atlanta Preservation Center, the Georgia Trust. But in communities around this country, um, you figure out what you have an interest in and what you are passionate about and what you love. You go from there and try to figure out who's doing it. If the preservation is around green space or the preservation is around old buildings, where the preservation is around some type of ritual, like Mardi Gras, where I'm from. Find out those organizations and start making friends and having conversations, and you'll you'll learn, you know, how to get involved. I, I would say, like, get involved though in what you love doing within those. It's more important because if we're having fun and we're doing something that we're passionate about, we will do more of it and we'll do better. Thank you for joining us, friends, for another serving of common sense. This was not complicated, just green. Sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors. 
redefining the impact of great design, one client at a time. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design.